This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Instead of asking, how are you? Because we have decided that that is just kind of a lot to have to answer every episode of the podcast. (laughs) Instead of, how are you? I'm going to ask you, do you think frogs would like to have wings? Mm, Yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. I mean, because then when they jump, they could decide, okay, is this a jump where I'm going to land back down on the ground in the water? Or is this like, I want a little air. I'm going to go make it to the next puddle or next little (laughs) pond. Yeah. If it's a it's a jump that's just a jump or an I'm going to keep going jump. Mm-hmm. Not that frogs aren't just fine how they are, but I feel like the option to have wings. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do my best on behalf of frogs and say I, my guess would be yes. OK, so this to me brings up the question, is there any animal who'd be like, no way to wings? <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that. Um, Jellyfish. <laughs> They're perfectly happy just mm-hmm. sort of uh, jellying along. Yep. Whatever their verb is. Yeah, exactly. Squirming? <laughs> Waiting? Blopping. Blopping. <laughs> Blopping's the best jellyfish verb. All right. Uh, we are going to get into our topic this week. It is something that has been on my mind from lots of different perspectives. So we're definitely going to talk about the main thing, but really talk about it from a couple different angles. And the thing that I have been obsessed with that I want to discuss with you and see if you are obsessed with is nostalgia. So in particular, uh, I'm obsessed with this topic and how it relates to our own personal lives, but then also larger societal issues, larger societal ideas of nostalgia for the way things were. Uh, But then Nostalgia has really been uh, the gladiator <laughs> in the arena of pop culture combat, uh, to be overly colorful about it. Uh, a lot of the debates about pop culture, because there have been so many uh, remakes, requels, sequels, uh, nostalgia feels like it just comes up constantly, and in some circles of pop culture discussion, is starting to be almost like, that's a bad word. Mm-hmm. As soon as you say nostalgia, you don't even have to say it's bad. You used nostalgia. So everybody knows that means bad. (laughs) So I've become really uh, fascinated with it. And uh, I want to kick us off with this definition from Merriam-Webster. Like we're doing a proper little essay. Uh, Merriam-Webster has a couple definitions I like. It says uh, that nostalgia can be defined as pleasure in sadness that is caused by remembering something from the past and wishing that you could experience it again. Mm -hmm. And a wistful or excessively sentimental yearning for return to or of some past period or irrecoverable condition. (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, reading those nostalgia definitions uh, gave me a little bit of nostalgia anxiety of like the idea (laughs) of it. An irrecoverable condition. You can't possibly get it back. Um, What do you think of those definitions? Yeah, I feel like those are pretty solid definitions. Well done, Miriam Webster. <laughs> We're not going to start off by just saying the dictionary's wrong. Yeah, not not today. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Watch yourself, dictionary. So those are technical definitions of nostalgia. Uh, what does nostalgia mean to you when you think of that word? How do you kind of define it for yourself or in your own life or in your own vernacular? 
Yeah, it's interesting because the one thing to me about those two definitions is they're both a little bit more like they almost have a little bit more of that um, hint that you were talking about of um, not <laughs> dangerous is um, more excessive than I mean. <laughs> Uh, but to me, I don't think of nostalgia. I think of it as it can be like a, oh, a light bit of nostalgia. Like it can be like basically a photo filter. Right. Or it can be, a, <laughs> you know, right? Like an old sepia toned. <laughs> you know, actually, I was thinking about this. Uh, no, I think it's almost, it, it can be, it can absolutely be sepia toned. But I think it's more like the um, the vignette filter mm. or like tilt shift tilt shift when it's circular and like the edges are kind of fuzzy and you just kind of focus in on the middle the thing that you're remembering like the way that looks is what the feeling of nostalgia is like to you it's one of the ways it can be like I, mm. and to me i think it's i um i think it can absolutely have um kind of a, a negative or dangerous aspect to it but it isn't 100 always in that direction yeah and we'll definitely talk about the dangerous so yeah. don't worry we're not skating past the danger uh <laughs> on this here podcast uh yeah i think for me i i think of it is you know the 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 description from miriam webster is a uh, pleasure and sadness or or wistful that it is something that feels like both good and bad at the same time and sometimes much more good sometimes it's just like you know like when you when you and i have like been doing uh talking on the podcast sometimes something will come up like when we talked about uh oldie time technology and we talked about cassettes like it, that wasn't too bittersweet that mm -hmm. was just like ah it's fun to remember that or like a smell if you haven't been in a building for a long time it can just be like ah oh, yeah i remember the old days but that part where it gets uh a little painful i think for me that is part of the way i think about nostalgia of this sort of uh, longing for a time that is only half remembered and probably uh, only half true mm, mm -hmm. at best. Um, I had a really uh, formative interaction about nostalgia. Yeah. Um, in college, I had this professor that I really liked. Um, I, my, both my brother and I uh, took a class with him called Comedy Text and Theory, which I have talked about a lot. It was, you know, the study of how comedy functions and why this professor was great this class was a revelation he thought it was funny and weird that he had students in class that actually did comedy he came to see our comedy show <laughs> I, I thought very highly of him and then like a year or two years later i took a music theory class with him which was a little bit of the same sort of like we're going to talk about it from a, a cultural standpoint of how it works on us and why mm -hmm. and there was a part of the class where he he wanted he set aside some a couple of days for people to bring in music that they loved and talk about why mm -hmm. and i was firmly in my uh sinatra period so i had brought in uh my entire record player that i took on the <laughs> bus to class and other people have been pay playing like you know the cure and like really intense you know punk music and speed metal and i presented the the sinatra song come dance with me and kind of talked about this revelation that i'd have in understanding that past culture that uh swing music used to be considered aggressive and dangerous and how you're how you're uh exploring sexuality uh the, it was maybe a little bit musically you know different than rock and roll in lots of ways but how that had been such a revelation to me mm -hmm. and this is where it gets to nostalgia uh my professor looked at me after after this in front of the class 
and it was like, uh, that's really interesting. You know, I was alive during the fifties <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I knew from, uh, who, who he was, his life, his cultural perspective that I'm sure those were rough times for him. Mm-hmm. So I was sensitive to that. And he said, you know, I grew up in those times and I can see in your eyes, you wish it was then. And I remembered uh, him saying at another time in class about uh, how music can make us kind of remember a time that we thought was. Mm, So I had said that back to him of like, I think I long for it to be the time that I imagine it was, but I know it wasn't entirely it. I long for the romantic version of if I could just pluck the joyful things out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was just a, it was a really powerful interaction because it, he was being respectful to me. I was being respectful to him, but there was definitely a, it's great that you found joy in this time period. Don't think that that's the only thing there was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really powerful. What was his response to your response of, of kind of acknowledging what he said um, of the idea that you did want to um, kind of pluck the way that it made you feel. Yeah, I mean, he laughed and nodded, and okay. I think that it. I I I imagine at the time. Who knows? This is foggy. <laughs> I got a sepia tone filter on this memory, <laughs> right? I think that's what he needed to know, or or hear, or 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 at least just wanted to have that information about me as a human. If I was like, no, the fifties were great. There was no problem for anyone ever. If I was actually going to have that hubris, I think maybe he would have just been like, good to know about this human. Right. (laughs) You're a little different from my thought. Good to know. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah, That's very interesting. And and that's such a great kind of a a formative stage way to think about nostalgia and kind of have your eyes opened to it. That it isn't just about remembering exactly the truth of what happened, but remembering what you felt Mm -hmm. in or, or, you know, uh, assigning these events that have happened in the past to the way that you want to feel again in the present. Mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff absolutely yeah so for me that that's a big part of it um with that in mind mm-hmm. that nostalgia can be both pleasant and unpleasant is uh is it a, a pleasant experience for you when when you feel nostalgia and go oh i'm really nostalgic for that is it more pleasure or more wistful sadness for you oh that's a good differentiation i it's hmm i think it's a little bit of both because I feel like I both am a nostalgic person and also am not like it's not that I want like, oh, I wish it were these times or, right. oh, I wish this were true. Maybe, oh, this little moment, I wish I could bop back in my little time machine for this version of this moment for five minutes. Um, so I but I think I think that maybe wistful a little bit more is the direction that I go. Yeah. Um, but v- most of the time with my eyes open that it's also not a reality. Yeah. So is it more like just a nice thought of like, ah, I miss that time or that place, not a longing to go back? Ooh, ooh. Well, I mean, it depends. I think it de- if it's from my own life, um, because to me, nostalgia can be about one my own life, but also about just kind of life a, in general. Yeah, or a cultural thing. Or yeah. A, the technological thing. Yeah. So for my own life um you know it it depends if it's like oh 
yeah, I really wish I had handled that differently than it is very much. Like, I wish I could go back. <laughs> I think there's a difference between regret and nostalgia <laughs> that I could look up on Merriam-Webster. Is that Absolutely. But I feel like nostalgia can be like that feeling of like, like, oh, imagine the feeling when you have all these choices out in front of you. And mm. there's that feeling of um, like I was uh, talking to somebody recently about this, of kind of that feeling um, that I had when I was a senior in high school and was trying to decide where I was going to go to college. Oh, yeah. And I had that feeling of you, you don't know what your life is going to be. You've got all this time in front of you. You want to make good choices. You don't quite know how to make good choices. And there was part of me that I almost had like, I was like, I just can't imagine that in two months, I'm going to know where I'll go or like a year from now, all I'll I will have already been there for months yeah. because at that point it was such a surreal experience. Um, and I'm not saying that I want to change anything with that, but I, I think it's sometimes it's about moments to me. It's about moments of choice. Yeah. And that feeling before you've made a choice and it's kind of that feeling of openness and that anything is possible. Yeah, no, I think it particularly makes a sense for people who are not as young anymore to, to be nostalgic for moments of uh, uh, being at, you know, the crossroads or a, a multiple, multiple crossroads at once. Yeah. Yeah. That makes really a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just um, it's been on my mind. I think I certainly do sometimes um, can live in nostalgia more than I should. Maybe that's I think um, like think that thing sometimes forget to think about the full picture. And I just keep that fuzzy, blurry of like, oh, it wasn't that nice. But then once you like wipe the dirt off your lens, you're like, oh, nope, God, I'm not there anymore. <laughs> um, sorry, using all the metaphors. But but yeah, I think that it is. And again, it's not about making different choices. I think it's more about um, like a wistfulness or nostalgia for that that feeling. That feeling. That mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I think for me that there are many uh, wistful to slightly painful of going to Merriam-Webster again. uh irrecoverable condition (laughs) like you know graduating high school and i got multiple years to make weird choices if i want kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh i i miss that irrecoverable condition for sure (laughs) and those can kind of uh be painful there are specific times that i that i'm been able to be just happy to revisit and just go oh yeah that was great and I, mm-hmm. I think maybe it's times in my life that feel like um they weren't transition their periods necessarily they were just sort of this like little isolated chunk mm-hmm. like when i think about the time that you and i lived in london together mm-hmm. for you were there longer but i was there about three months and i miss it and if i had a time machine they'd be like, yeah i'd like to hop back there but i don't have the the there isn't that the longing it's just oh that was great mm-hmm. i'd love to smell something that reminded me of that i'd love to taste something that reminded me of that i love it when i remember a detail that i forgot and it's like that's a nice nostalgia um from doing the star wars podcast uh we end up talking a lot about our experience uh my co-host and i ken being around the same age kind of taking steps into adulthood as the phantom menace came out star wars came back and now on the podcast, talking to people who are younger than us who grew up with the prequels, and we get to hear their story of being kids uh, and enjoying some of the same things we did as young adults, <laughs> buying the same lightsabers and 
you know, eating at Taco Bell to get toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, like that's like a little bubble in my mind. That's just like, I don't need to go back there, but it's a happy memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the memories are not an isolated happy bubble. They're that mix of of pleasure and wistful. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great differentiation about the, the little happy bubble that's defined. And I think, and to me, that is kind of a, those are fun moments to go back to. And, and I apologize, I don't have the definitions in front of me, so I'm not remembering the, the oh, words you've got them next to you. But um, but those little, those little moments that you can kind of go back to in time, um, yeah, there's definitely many nice ones. And in fact, I was talking about on this podcast a few weeks ago that a lot of my positive associations with snow are related to nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good old days of snow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah like I have really specific memories. memories and I'm not actively, you know, yeah. wet and cold. <laughs> All the memories without any of the moisture <laughs> sounds great to me. Uh, one thing that has been good for me about thinking more about about nostalgia and particularly pleasurable nostalgia is trying to think in the moment what are the things that are going to gently shift away that I really enjoy right now and try to enjoy them even more because now I have the life experience to know in a short number of years I'm going to be like oh remember the Vesper at that bar (laughs) because (laughs) it'll go away because things change yeah Uh, and I think that's been a positive part of nostalgia is using it as a reminder to Try to be uh, present about the things that you enjoy now because you never know which ones are going to change. Yeah, yeah, I think that's such a good point. And it's such a good point, too, that with the the kind of, like you are saying before, the isolated incidents that have, like when we're in London, it's got a beginning, middle, and an end. Yep. And we knew that at the time. And also when we think about it, that's that time. Yep. Whereas, at least for me, like a lot of other times, it just kind of get blurry and fuzz all together and you know is it this then was this five years later like if i'm in the same place or at the same job or doing a similar activity so i i love and you've brought it up a few times in our lives without microphones in front of us <laughs> about just kind of remembering those moments kind of snapshotting for future nostalgia almost <laughs> uh, and i like that idea well future nostalgia is my doctor who fanfic that i'm going to be working on <laughs> Um, I always like to go back to our childhoods because this is half podcast and half, I don't know, uh, th- uh, therapy with entertainment. Um, can you remember an early time in your life? I'm not trying to ask you, like, remember the first time that you yeah. had nostalgia. But you, can you remember when you were young and you were first hit by a wave of it? Because it is it is somewhat about collecting life experience before you can have it, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's... Um... So I don't know if this counts, but I'll try it. (laughs) So when I was very young, um, maybe like five, six. Okay. I had, I, my family had, when I was born, we lived in the Twin Cities, but then we moved around a fair amount after that. So we no longer lived in that house. And I remember, had a moment of remembering going out to the side of the house that we used to live in, where there are hydrangea bushes and looking for the bunny rabbits. Oh. And I mean, there were bunny rabbits in the house, near the house we lived in then too, I'm sure. Uh, but I just, I have a very specific memory about that. And it's kind of, I mean, at this point now, it's it's half memory, it's half dream. Best it's kind of nostalgia. Nostalgia, like it's, but it feels like that because it does, it's got 
it's, you know, it's got all the filters on it (laughs) (laughs) to make it look, you know, all the fuzziness, but in a good way, like, I don't know how much of it is real and how much of it isn't, honestly, Okay, which maybe in some ways makes it true nostalgia. Right, right. When the bunnies are fuzzy, that's true nostalgia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Around how old were you when you had the bunny nostalgia? So when I experienced it, I was probably around five. Okay. Maybe, yeah, probably around five. Yeah, that's true. the actual memory was from when I was around two and a half. Right. I mean, that is true because almost all early memories are like fuzzy nostalgia, aren't Mm -hmm. they? Yeah. I when I was thinking about this and uh, I am going to warn slash apologize if necessary to listeners Star Wars is going to come up a lot in this <laughs> because uh, a lot of the, the Star Wars talking is is why nostalgia is uh, coming up in my day to day so much. Um, but a, a a big thing for me is connecting early on to and this would probably I'm probably like 10, 11, 12 or, around this time. Um that moment in the first Star Wars film when Luke tells Ben Kenobi that he's looking for Obi-Wan and and he's and Obi-Wan has that line of that's a name I've not heard in a long time and there's this little trill of music and it captures that feeling of the bittersweet of because it seems like Obi-Wan is kind of happy to hear that name, but it's it's dredging something up from the past that is gonna he's got he's for sure got to deal with now in the present. There's no ambiguity. Mm-hmm. The you know the times are changing. Luke's gonna become aware of everything. But I remember as a kid, I thought it was cool, and I think I I because I just always wanted to be older and more worldly. Mm-hmm. From as young as I can remember, I wanted to be older and more worldly. And I remember like adults when they could talk about like. Yeah, and I hadn't seen that person in five years. I would think that's so cool. And I couldn't <laughs> wait until it had been some like five or can you imagine that it's been ten years since you've seen or done something? So I wonder how much like I kind of set myself up to um want nostalgia mm-hmm. at a very young age. Yeah. And, I can see that. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah, maybe maybe some of this is deconditioning myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And that's really interesting um, that with the Star Wars connection and how that did in a way set you up for wanting nostalgia, which makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, that's just one example because you hear that constantly when you're kids. But I think that's it was the romantic version of it of like it's it's something buried from the past is awakening. And what does that mean? Um, and then I think for me, it got even more tied in because I, we had this sort of isolated experience where we moved around a lot, but the biggest move was that we moved, uh, from Brainerd, Minnesota to Portland, Oregon. And my life was just kind of great in Portland. The, <laughs> no snow, <laughs> uh, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back came out and it was just the greatest thing in my life ever. It was like the only place I ever lived where we had like a block full of kids that just like every day at 10 a.m. you went outside and you played mm-hmm. and some days were great and some days two kids would even mad at each other and you'd have a fight and you know I, we uh, ate some berries that we weren't supposed to once and another time we played with a hose that we weren't supposed to and actually sprayed inside the house and it was like sort of like these these kid things that I thought was the way you're supposed to be a kid. And then just the way life worked out, we lived lots of nice or fun places. I never had that again. Mm. So a different climate from Portland, you know, 
that being able to to see a volcano, Mount yeah. <laughs> St. Helens in the distance at, at certain points, having that different social thing, having that strong connection of, but that's Portland, Oregon is where Empire Strikes Back lives, you know, <laughs> all of those things really combined. So I think I had like a target for hardcore. I wish I could go back to those days from a very young period as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Did you have hardcore nostalgia for, I mean, you remember the bunnies, but was there any one place that you lived when you were younger and moving around where you were like, ah, that's the one that I kind of wanted to go back to? Mm. You know, in different ways I did. I was, so my family also moved to the Pacific Northwest for a short period of time, mm-hmm. uh, but I was older. I was in fifth and sixth grade when we did that. And um, as an adult, I often have had nostalgia toward that. But when I lived there, at least for the first six months or so, I desperately wanted to go back to Minnesota. Okay. Like desperately. Um, And I think part of it was, you know, just finding my place. And fifth grade is not the easiest time to (laughs) be in a new school and all of that. And, um, you know, I had friends that I had known for a long time. And so just kind of finding a new friend group, figuring out what life is uh, as you're kind of going through, you know, that stage of life just was... uh, Difficult and got much better. Yeah. Um, when you had a rosy memory of Minnesota, what was it? Was it snow? <laughs> no, no. I think for me, I think it was very much kind of friend-based until I figured, okay. until I got my footing. And then once I got my footing in Washington, um, I loved it. And the thing that I had nostalgia about for Washington was, um, uh, you know, being able to see the ocean <laughs> yeah. on a daily basis um, or Puget Sound, technically. Yeah. Uh, was amazing and being able to see mountains and uh, trees it's me Um, and like the biggest thing is when I was in sixth grade um, I walked to work I walked to work (laughs) (laughs) you got started early did I mention what era that I'm actually very old and this was back when people could work in sixth grade I know I walked to school and, uh, you know, it's Pacific Northwest um, hilly foggy all that misty and I I loved mist and fog still do to this day like it just uh energizes me yeah um at least for short periods of time and most mornings i would walk to school um and it would still be misty in the morning when i start to walk to school so it was like i was walking through magic yeah absolutely you it's totally natural that you didn't need any of the uh, instagram filters your actual memories have uh wonderful fuzzy misty filters on them yeah for real yeah exactly so then when i think about it that i definitely have nostalgia for that feeling for being able to like to walk to my friend's house or walk run late to the bus stop with that um feeling i bus was a different year but you know all of that um and it's got both the filter but it also like you mentioned earlier the smell it's got very much the the smell filter on it as well like i have that smell yeah oh the smell filter is great uh, we should add that to actual Instagram. Um, <laughs> what was a time that you have been nostalgic recently, like even in the last week or month? Mm. Wow. Um, well, um, I gosh. <laughs> I, sometimes I can't tell if you're trying to think of too many things. You thought of something you didn't want to share. <laughs> all, all of the above. Do you, to want, be totally be, do you want me to totally share something honest. first? Because I don't ever want to put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, I mean... No, I can go ahead. Um, go for it. So I just was, I randomly um, have been nostalgic for um, kind of just 
after, not, it didn't happen very often, but every once in a while, one of the places that I used to work, some of my coworkers and I would, we would make plans usually ahead of time <laughs> to like go just hang out at some of the places nearby. And it just, I think in particular in our, uh, you know, coming on two years of COVID and Los Angeles is still very locked down um, and, and we have not been doing a lot. And so really not having those moments of just kind of sitting at a restaurant or bar or coffee shop and hanging out with friends or coworkers and just letting conversation happen. Yeah. Faces um, and uh, shared fluids. That's That came out wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> consuming fluids sitting next to each other yes consuming yeah. shared <laughs> fluids uh, i'm gonna stop yeah uh it, no i totally understand what you mean yeah because we we had been going out and you know having drinks but stopped with the omicron wave so mm-hmm. it's been a little while for us yeah yeah and i think in particular just kind of some of those like oh people that i um you know had known for a long time and kind of that like oh i'm having nostalgia for these exact faces at these places right and i imagine all of that kind of adds up to like some amount of like adventure and fun because you're out and about and the conversation is flowing and so are the fluids (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh but also comfort right that's a memory of both like engagement and being social but also just pure comfort totally yeah that's totally understandable um I had a weird burst of nostalgia that was both pleasurable and painful. (laughs) Uh, You and I watched a couple of heavy movies this past weekend, and then on uh, great movies. But then on Saturday before we went to bed, uh, we were both like, maybe a little palate cleanser of fun. And Mm -hmm. we watched a random episode of The Dick Van Dyke Show, which I love. Uh, But I had forgotten. God, exactly when I watched it. I forgot how much I watched it when I was really starting to do more sketch comedy and physical comedy in particular. And I watched the Dick Van Dyke show as a human and enjoyed it. But it was also class. I was studying. <laughs> uh, and it. I just had a huge burst watching Dick Van Dyke do some of those the phys- great physical comedy bits of nostalgia for just doing physical comedy. Because I, this has been the longest I haven't performed at all. And I certainly haven't been doing like a ton of uh, physical comedy. Hand gestures in stand-up count as physical comedy in my book. <laughs> but uh, yeah, is a nostalgia for for uh, a specific kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have an opinion that I would like to share with you and see what you think and what your response is. I'm ready. So um, looking at nostalgia in lots of different ways, we've been talking about it, I think, mostly in a in a personal context, and there are a lot of inevitable things a lot about it a lot of joyful things but where i think nostalgia can be dangerous is i think sometimes we uh filter out the bad times of a certain period in our lives and remember only the parts we miss uh for example i can be uh nostalgic for my first apartment and only remember the times where like I could stay up as late as I wanted. I didn't have a ton of responsibilities to other people, and I could play Goldeneye <laughs> as late as I wanted. Uh, but then when I forced myself to go like, you didn't sit happily in that apartment 24-7 playing a video game. You had many very rough times in that apartment. You have to remember those, too, because you can get that, like, I want to go back. Um I, you know, I had to go to work at uh, Kinko's every day. I had a ton of responsibilities uh, and would pay for it if I stayed up late playing GoldenEye. But mm-hmm. in my nostalgic memory, it's just, 
to be in that apartment surrounded by my action figures playing gold night like it's it's very weird do you experience nostalgia that way uh, where you filter out the negative or am i weird oh no you're not weird oh thank you at least not in that way (laughs) (laughs) um i mean yeah i absolutely experience nostalgia that way and um i feel like that's that's part of it is you think about the the good things or the happy things um and at least for myself i'm not usually nostalgic for the unpleasant things right you know, right that's uh, there's a different word for that <laughs> raking <laughs> oneself over the whole coals i don't know that's not one word coal raking um yes. yeah but um yeah no i i i don't know i haven't talked to a lot of people about how they see nostalgia in their own personal lives yeah um as opposed to nostalgia in the larger world yeah um but i i think for a lot of people that would be it's it's the rosy colored glasses right yeah it's the rosy colored glasses yeah i think and we're going to talk about the larger societal version of this because it it doesn't this is exactly why i wanted to have this conversation this way because it's hard to untangle all of them the personal the societal the pop culture Mm -hmm. uh what you mean by nostalgia I think for me, just uh, I, I always want to check myself that I'm not experiencing something and then go like, well, that's the way everybody experiences it, right? But I think for myself, um, setting aside major trauma, like if you have major trauma, you remember that is a mm-hmm. part of that period of your life. But I, I remember lots of periods of my life where I get nostalgic for it and then I realize that I am thinking about only the good parts. So then I try to think about the bad parts and then sometimes, shockingly, I'm a little nostalgic for the bad parts. <laughs> and then when I kind of examined why, it's because control. It's because when I was living them and I suffering, I didn't know how it was going to end. Mm. And there's control when you think back on like, yeah, no, I was I had I was having a lot of fun playing Goldeneye and I was miserable many days at Kinko's and that was an awful breakup, but I know how all those things resolved. Mm. And there's nowhere near as painful. And again, like I really want to separate out major trauma. I'm talking about just the sort of the the day-to-day that we all experience of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But I think for me it is about it's about control and what we can experience in the moment is the thing that's upsetting me today. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know how long it's going to go on. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Does that make any, any sense to you as a person for your own perception of nostalgia? Yeah. I don't think I've ever really thought about being nostalgic for painful or unhappy experiences in that way. Um, not that I don't think about them, because sometimes I dwell on them far more than I should. But I, um, it, that's a really interesting point about being nostalgic for them, because you know how they resolve. Yeah. As a, compared to current things that you're in the middle of that you don't know how they resolve. And I, that's fascinating. I just have never thought about it that way. You know, actually, I think it might be related a little bit to what you were saying earlier on about being nostalgic for like uh, you're graduating from high school and what's next. Cause I think the, the bad times that I sometimes get nostalgic for is when I hit some sort of <laughs> rock bottom of some kind, uh, not with alcohol, uh, some kind of like, okay, something's got to change moment. And it might be a little bit like I'm nostalgic for that moment of pain where change has to come. 
Mm. And it feels like opening a door. So it's like you're nostalgic for the catalyst. Yes, for the catalyst of like, well, there no no bones about it. You got to make some new choices mm-hmm. and be nostalgic for those times. Yeah. I guess we just all want choice constantly. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's, uh, any other thoughts on specifically personal nostalgia? We'll come back to it a little bit, but I want to move on to the other nostalgias we are promising. Yeah, yeah, nothing else that I can think of at the moment. So uh, I'm going to share also an opinion about the larger <laughs> social uh, context of nostalgia that uh, I think that is the one to me that can be the most dangerous. Uh, and I think, you know, without getting too heavy on the old fun podcast, I think it's something uh that we have seen a lot you know it, it's one thing you know to miss the music of your youth for example but that so often turns into people apparently legitimately believing music was only good when i was young and all other music sucks which is like if you take a step back as a human you just have to objectively know like really it turns out that music was only good when you were 5 to 15 years old, in no other time has music been good. It's just <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, not healthy or true or, or fun. Uh, so I think even in a personal level, that sort of like larger, everything was better when I was this age can be dangerous. But then the, the even bigger stakes, I mean, of, of the whole Make America Great Again is just, it's totally toxic nostalgia. And it's the reason that I have to, that I feel like I have to be very careful about just going, Ah, nostalgia is not a problem um, mm. because it's this, you know, the idea that the present and the future are trying to take something from you mm. in that, you know, there is this totally inaccurately remembered good old days that may never have actually existed or been actively horrible for lots of people uh, in this desire to go back to this thing that was magically better in mm. uh, either a, probably wasn't actually that much better for you. You're just putting on rose-colored glasses because it's a way to fight back against the scariness of change. Or B, it, it was actively horrible. It might have been even a little bit better for you, but it was actively horrible for other people. So how do you feel about that larger uh, social aspect of nostalgia? Is there? Do we need to use the word and the idea carefully because there is such danger because it can be used to motivate large groups of people to... Um, be regressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's a lot to unpack right now. I know, I know. I just <laughs> no. This is great. This is great. I just no. I admit, gonna... I'm just. I was just really torn because I wanted yeah. to have like, let's talk a little bit about pop culture and memories, <laughs> and it's like I felt guilty not talking about this because it's such a big thing in our culture and feels so dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And I actually, um, kind of thinking about nostalgia before recording this was primarily thinking about societal nostalgia and wasn't really thinking about it as personal nostalgia. So that was great to have that as a fun intro uh, (laughs) into this. No, I mean, I think, I think it's, I mean, we've, we've learned goodness with where we are at right now and it's, it's not a new thing, but we all need to keep learning it. I mean, nostalgia can be a weapon and can be so dangerous and, um, in so many different ways. I think there's the, you know, kind of overt of making people think that a time was better that wasn't or maybe was better for one group, but was certainly not better for other people. And, you know, I think that that's uh, very necessary to to be aware of and um, to 
to communicate with with other people because it it, I think and I goodness this is this is me voicing my personal opinions uh, and certainly not claiming to know all and not stick my foot in my mouth but (laughs) um, I just feel like that it's it I feel like that it's a it's a concept that seems to be it's easier to put on the rose colored glasses and not notice that you're wearing them. Yeah. I think that any any of us want to be I, I was going to say that anybody else wants to, but I'll go ahead and include myself in that because um, I think there's some truth to that. Um, and I'm going to say, like, as somebody who spent a lot of time working in historic house museums and the number of people who are like, oh, wouldn't it have been great to live here then? I'm just like, yeah, all of us would have been, if we were lucky, the servants who are down there washing all the clothes by hand, you know, carrying all the giant blocks of ice by hand. Like, yeah, we'd be lucky to be working in a house that had indoor plumbing and, you know, electric lights and heating. But like, let's be honest, like, yeah, sure, have your fantasy. But also, like, know know where your place is. And that's if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, like, I just I think that it's a I feel like it's a question that I've had had to answer a lot um right as a tour guide of just like yeah yeah, of like what what it would have been like to travel back yeah yeah and like absolutely imagine all the different places and and you know and that's in places that um you know there there were no slaves there so there isn't that horrible aspect of it to to be dealt with as well but but still plenty of uh, unpleasantness absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah i think for me uh I, I think this is, you know, part of the reason I think about that story with that that professor of mine, because I felt like um, who knows exactly what he thought, because I didn't have a follow up conversation with him about it. But it felt like a healthy um, a way to try to get my my head on straight about having a healthy interest in the past. Mm-hmm. Like you and I are both, uh, you know, have backgrounds in, in history and love the past. And uh, I it was freeing for me at the time to discover, oh, everything that came before 1970s wasn't old and creaky, but rather like there were explosions of expression. I can find meaning in the life of this uh, person, Frank Sinatra, and all these other musicians that I loved. I, you know, I learned a lot about the world by reading Sammy Davis Jr.'s uh, autobiography. And having that moment that sort of crystallized it's fine for me to look back at, at the past and go, there was music that was amazing. There were cultural truths that I didn't know about that were amazing, and some of them horrific. And look back and go, I celebrate this artist. I celebrate this uh, you know, piece of art. Or um, this uh, Frank Sinatra was progressive for his time and celebrate that. But then also just have utter respect for like, yeah, things were very, very bad for many other people. And I don't want to just have rose-colored glasses of let's go back to there, mm. but rather take what you love and try to figure out how you, what you love about it and how can you incorporate it in a life that moves forward. Yeah. Right? Like, I think, I think like that's so much what the danger of nostalgia, both on a personal and a larger societal level, is a unwillingness to move forward. It's not even so much the languages we want to go back Mm, right yeah but it's not actually ultimately about going back when it's dangerous nostalgia it's about refusing to move forward right Mm. and i think that is uh it's about control in many different ways but it's that control of like 
If you go back to the times that you know, it's literally in the words, the times you know. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose any control. Therefore, you're not going to lose any sense of power. You're not going to have to do the hard work of, hey, a change is coming and I don't know if I like it. I don't know where it will end up. I don't know how much work I'll have to do to make it work. Like, uh, I, I get grumpy about technology, but that's technology changes too. And like, I feel like the danger is just an unwillingness to accept that that change is reality and changes are going to come no matter what. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. can actively try to help shape them or we can resist them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like that, um, you know, finding finding some good in it of like, OK, what are the parts of times that you like that do not <laughs> Uh, I'll add my own little two cents that, that do not, um, you know, impinge on others, mm-hmm. but like, what's the music that you like? Like the thing, like, this is such a ridiculous thing, but one of the kind of nostalgic things that I turn to, which I've never experienced is, um, the idea of kind of smaller town or smaller neighborhoods when there's, you know, the shops that people live above and you can just walk to the grocery and you can walk to this place and you can walk to that place because goodness knows anybody who listens to this podcast, I am obsessed with walking and walkability. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, so to me, it's like, okay, well, is that something that we can take, like bring that back or just reinvent it and bring it forward? So it actually works for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of lost my train of thought on that one because I got distracted thinking about walking. (laughs) (laughs) So the the nostalgia for smaller communities. Well, I think what I was going toward is like think about what are you know are there aspects that people when you were when people have nostalgia like are there specific um, feelings or moments that Mm. you can bring forward or like I mean music continues but but with but very specifically I want to be very clear um, I think a lot of nostalgia is dangerous because it um, paints a picture that wasn't realistic or brings some people up at the expense of others. Right. And that's the part that to me, like, I don't care if that makes you feel better. No, like (laughs) we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, It has to benefit everybody. Um, So that's why, you know, but like, are there things that can be brought forward that don't have that negative implication on people other than yourself yeah i love what you're saying of isolating in idea right because i think change is inevitable but i think we should resist some changes because some changes come down like the road like that's not a great idea like if change came of like seat belts aren't a thing anymore i would think that's not a great idea it's not that i'm being nostalgic you know for the good old seat belt days like seat belts are a good idea right so like ideas i think that's why we have to be aware of change and accept it so that we can choose it to the to the ability that we can Mm -hmm. um and i love the idea of looking at something like like communities like how how they're shaped right um i remember being affected by a passage in a vonnegut book and i honestly at this point i I can't remember what book it's in if it's a uh if, if it's an essay from him or if it's coming if we put it in one of his characters mouths i don't remember uh but it was this idea that before as much uh, industrialization, before as much uh, mass communication, everybody got to be celebrated for what they're good at a little bit more. Because if you're in a small community and you can sing or you are an amazing gardener (laughs) uh, or amazing baker, you're the best baker in town. And the more things get connected, 
you know, the uh, the sort of local level of talent is perceived as less than because fame. You have to be famous in order to be the best. Mm. It can't just be like Susie down the blocks, really good at piano. It's like, well, is she playing this stadium? Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, it's like that's like an isolated uh, idea that could be this dangerous. Like, yes, we never should have connected. <laughs> or you can look at that and go, oh, that we need to find more ways to just value talent for talent's sake or mm-hmm. talent as an expression of who we are as people and take that idea and go, how can we fit that into the future mm-hmm. rather than, yep, industrialization was a mistake. Scrap it all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for uh, helping me talk through that. Uh, I think we solved it all. Obviously, that was a facetious <laughs> statement. I don't even want it to be able to be clipped out as a joke. No. Uh, let's talk uh, pop culture then. Yeah. Now we've cleared personal nostalgia, large societal nostalgia. Um, so uh, the the I thought it was important to distinguish it from those other forms of nostalgia before we uh, we dig in. Uh, but I want to ask you, because I'm going to share some opinions and some of the, I feel like, the the battlefields I've been on. But for you, when a show or a movie that you like comes back and has a continuation of the story, how much of your enjoyment is nostalgia? You and I have watched mm. things together that um, that you have introduced me to. Like, you, you introduced me to both uh, Gilmore Girls and Sex and the City. Uh, we watch them both. I have nostalgia for the apartment that we watch them in and the times that we watch them. <laughs> uh, they both came back uh, and, watch, and we've watched different iterations of them. For you, rewatching those things, how much of it is nostalgia? Mm. Gosh, you know, I have never, I wouldn't have thought of those as nostalgia, um, at least those two examples. Mm-hmm. Um, one that is for me partly about the nostalgia that we did watch together is the live musical version of Annie. Oh, okay. Um, because I was in a musical production of Annie, not on Broadway, just to be clear. I love the non-musical productions of Annie. <laughs> Those are the ones that are really, really drive <laughs> the me The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, the spoken word Annie <laughs> is a hell of a thing. Um, yeah, but for me, that was, I was very curious about it, but my curiosity was largely fueled by personal nostalgia. Okay. For being in it, it was, um, at the time, such a big part of my life. I was um, right at the exact age for Annie Fever. Um, you know, <laughs> right. you played Star Wars on the playground. I played Annie. Now, I think I've told you I have a little bit of Annie nostalgia because all of the products that were also available for Star Wars and Superman, Annie was available of, like the exact same style storybook and trading cards. So I was like, I feel like capitalism is telling me I should also like Annie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I had an Annie... Um, clock i think it was um that you know i think they'd given to the kids who are in the show yeah and uh yeah so that was that was a thing that for me was very driven by nostalgia but that so that was about your personal experience it was that wasn't about you choosing to watch something because you want to reconnect with the past You, you don't feel that about like being mm-hmm. excited that Gilmore Girls is is coming was coming back when it was that 2016 mm-hmm. uh for you was that what was that excitement that a thing you loved was back I mean I don't have a great word for it I guess maybe nostalgia but I think it was just um like oh well that's cool that they're bringing it back let's see what they say like, <laughs> you know to me it's a yeah. little bit it's a little bit more about um like if there's a book series that I like mm. that the author has said, like, yeah, this is probably as many as there are. But it's not 
it's not definitive. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be the last one. And then a few years later, they're like, oh, I had another idea. So, you know, here, there's been a five-year gap, but now there's another book in this series. Yeah. I enjoy that as an opportunity to say hello to friends. I I think that's a big thing. I think that there is a desire sometimes with these things to recapture some amount of the feeling uh, that art creates, right? Of like a specific mood and time and place and characters and saying like, yes, I'd love to spend some time with them again. Mm-hmm. But then I think the real make or break is did those characters move forward? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason I was really curious to see if you would react to things like shows that you liked uh, that, in my opinion, both the Gilmore Girls and the the and Just Like That, Sex and the City whatever anybody might think of whether they worked or not, they are quite explicitly about the characters having new challenges because of the age they are. Mm -hmm. It is not trying to just go back and do it again, right? Right. uh, Narratively moving forward. Yeah. And honestly, if it was that it's just coming back and doing it again, I think I would be far less interested in that. Yeah. Because that's just not at this point, like, the originals were fine. There's not a need to remake it. And why? <laughs> um, and, and there's some things that I'm happy to watch remakes of. But um, like one that is out that I have not watched that mm-hmm. I think is a remake is the, isn't there a new MacGyver? Uh, yeah. 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 And so I watched MacGyver a lot as a kid. <laughs> I, I loved the show. I loved the concept of, you know, MacGyvering. <laughs> Um, and have had no interest in watching it, but I apologize to people who love it. It's nothing against it. I've never watched it, so I don't actually know what it is. I have no idea if any MacGyver, uh, the MacGyver 2.0 stands, uh, listen to this podcast. Yeah. We'll find out. And Hey, if it's, if it's good and worth checking out, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there are some things that are like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not going to be the same, right? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't think it quite helps, but I think I just don't have the same sort of, um, properties um yeah that i have that sort of like deep childhood nostalgia for yeah i think for me like one of the big ones obviously uh, we're going to talk more about star wars uh, but for me like twin peaks was huge mm. because that uh, a part of the point of twin peaks was disappearing into this very specific mood this very specific world this very specific sub world hell dimension <laughs> uh and it was here for such a short time in the grand scheme of things from like 89 to 92, then by gone forever. No, it's never coming back. So the fact that it was coming back absolutely had nostalgia for it. Uh, Showtime decided what the advertising line was, but it, you know, there's a scene in the original Twin Peaks where a an otherworldly being warns our heroes that something bad is happening again by saying it is happening again. In Showtime's advertising everywhere was it is happening again. You can't have a much more nostalgic line than it is happening again, right? Right. So undeniably nostalgia. Undeniably, when I sat down, just like that's Kyle MacLachlan is Dale Cooper. That's the Red Room. That's the double double R diner with those out. It there's undeniable nostalgia, and without any spoilers for anybody who still wants to watch it the show thematically is an attack on nostalgia. <laughs> it is, uh, uh, it, 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 obviously the creators are happy to revisit these characters in these places. There's a joy in it, but what's actively happening in the show is the moral that you cannot go home again. 
mm. what something has happened, it has happened. And you can only move forward from that is like, I maybe, uh, maybe other uh, people would disagree, but I feel like that's a not subtle message in that show. So I feel like for me, there is this dance where I do enjoy revisiting things and revisiting moods, but just like in real life, it's got to move forward or, or that nostalgia will curdle into stagnation and boredom. But if it's moving forward or even wrestling with the idea of nostalgia, then it becomes fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so one element of nostalgia in popular culture is just seeing something you loved you haven't seen in a long time, like mm-hmm. I was talking about with Twin Peaks. Do you think that part of it, just the part where you get a burst of joy from simple recognition, even within some of these other other shows, like say Gilmore Girls, like you're just happy to see that gazebo because you like that gazebo and you get a little burst of joy. Do you think that's inherently bad or dangerous? To get joy from seeing something? Yeah. <laughs> I might be leading the witness. <laughs> Am I I'm leading the witness. This, boiling this down correctly? I was trying to ask in a way that was <laughs> open, but now that I hear myself, I'm just, I'm leading the witness. <laughs> um, I don't think joy is all, always bad. <laughs> I, I'm going to give myself some high marks for some of my interviewing on this episode and some low marks on some other parts. You're doing a great job. It's a complicated question. And um, and it, this is an area where I just, I, you have spent a lot of time thinking about it because yes. of both who you are, um, the nature of, Star is one of your original nostalgia creators for your life, and also some of the current conversations, which I know we'll get to. Um, so gold stars all around, um, in terms of like something like you were talking about of the, just like nostalgia for watching a thing, especially if there's something that transports you to a specific feeling from watching that show or like a time in your life. Like this is really the time when I watched such and such. Yeah. Um, I think I, I mean, I for me similarly it it creates a feeling of joy or it creates that feeling of that feeling of nostalgia that is a positive yeah um it doesn't have the what's the Merriam-Webster the wistful and sad yeah necessarily because there's not at least for me like for watching something I'm not trying to go back it's just that like oh it's like I'm here in this apartment or I'm with these friends watching this for the first time um and I'll throw it out there again. My absolute nostalgia, if we could find it, would be watching Homefront. <laughs> uh, you want to remind uh, listeners which Homefront you're talking about? Yes. So there's a few Homefronts out there, but this was a TV series that was on in, uh, let's say, 91, 92. I might be a little bit off. Um, that was set in the kind of, it was people returning to the Homefront from World War II is uh, where it opened. And uh, just was dealing with a lot of the issues of that time period in the 40s and uh, had amazing music uh i did not see all the episodes because it was often bumped for whatever um (laughs) you know games were on tv or whatever and it was back in the era when it was bumped it was just bumped and you never got to watch those three episodes yep but um but it has not to my knowledge been released on any format that uh can be watched it includes a lot of music so we assume music rights might be part of it, but a lot of actors that have uh, become very well known uh, were in it. And so that's always fun. For a long time when we were first dating, I would often pause and be like, oh, 
you this person's from Homefront. Oh, like you would do it to me about Twin Peaks and I would do it to you about Homefront. So uh, it was our, our uh, it was a good pairing there. Yes. And I even tried to buy you some bootleg DVDs, uh, I believe, uh, from Japan, but they never showed up. <laughs> well, if they ever do, I'll happily watch them. Okay. Well, they show up to uh, our address three addresses ago. We'll see about that. Yeah. So you have a joy for that thing. So you would love to have the nostalgia of just rewatching those episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something about, there aren't that many shows for me in my life that have a like very specific feeling and time associated with them. Yeah. So I think that's part of why I'm, um, I don't have a lot of nostalgia with pop culture that's watched. Yeah. Um, but that's one that I do. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I was trying to frame that question openly. <laughs> to have an open discussion. But I mean, I just, I think that we have to be careful about policing our joy, right? And if the worst thing that happens is a show comes back and it gives you a pop of joy, or even within another show, something from the past of that show is briefly on screen and you're like, ah, oh, I love that thing. And you get that little pop of joy. I just, I don't think there's anything wrong with that pop of joy. I think the larger question becomes is if we... Obviously, Hollywood right now, Hollywood always is looking for safer bets, right? And right now, safer bets are known IP, uh, which means anything that can be remade, updated, continued, people are going to try because it's a safer bet. But then a lot of these discussions happen, which I think are great and healthy about people going like, are we, A, is there no room for anything new? And B... Are we just being manipulated? And it, it is, am I supposed to, as a viewer, as a member of culture, feel like if you show me something from when I was in eighth grade, I'm supposed to love it just because it was on when I was in the eighth grade and it's this empty mining of my memories, empty mining of our cultural soul. Like that, I think, is the fear mm-hmm. and the danger. And that's the conversation. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like there's a danger there if too much of our entertainment is just sort of recycling what has been, even if it's updating it, but still just recycling what's been there? Oh, I absolutely feel like there's a danger with that. And don't get me wrong. I like a lot of it. But I feel like if there's too much of that, there is a danger because we need new things to be able to recycle in the future. Uh, As someone who's trying to write new things, I would very much like there to be new things. Get me, don't get me wrong there. Yeah. Sorry. I I didn't mean to. No, you're good. I I was, you're, I would like for um, new things that you're writing to be out there also. (laughs) Yes. Plug for that. Um, No, I feel like that it is very much a danger, both for the, just the like creation of new things and the continuation of art and um entertainment and all of it i feel like we we need to be creating new things i don't think it's all bad to be revisiting properties um i think a lot of good and interesting things have come out of revisiting things and i don't think that just because something has been made once that that's all there is to say about it i feel like Mm. there's here we go it's time for nuance. There's a lot more nuance in this whole thing. <laughs> Is that a song from Annie? There's no, a lot more nuance. It's my new nuance song. There's a lot more nuance um, in that whole thing. I just feel like there is uh, there are layers to it. And it it can all have a positive. It can all have a negative. Um, if you're going to, especially if you're going to go all one way or the other, um, 
And I and I also think the like, oh, well, this came out when you were a kid. So therefore, everybody who's this age will like it is just like, again, assuming that everybody is painted with the same brush mm-hmm. and had the same experiences or the same access or the same whatever. And like, absolutely tastes, tastes exactly <laughs> like absolutely not. Yeah. And so I feel like that that's, I mean, a broader brush than I think anybody is actually using. But I feel like sometimes that gets brought into the conversation of a feeling like that's the brush that's being used. Yeah. I, and I, I think that's what it is for me is I understand and agree that it is a concern in the big picture, but entertainment always swings and we're running out of things to come back, right? That this things coming back bubble is going to burst mm. um, at, at some point. And I think there's always going to be a hunger and a need for something new. And it's hard for new things to break through because they're harder to advertise and everybody says we got to support new things but the the numbers tell the truth that it is harder to get us to go do that Mm -hmm. um so i think that big picture concern if we can't have all uh you know uh uh, old things made new again we need some just brand new things uh so i really really get that one but i think it, it tilts into just saying if there's anything nostalgic it's it's bad. And I just think that I think that we as a culture generally have better sense. I think nostalgia in entertainment is bad when it's empty, mm-hmm. when it is truly only there to make you go, hey, do you remember that? But the thing is, I just don't think those things are successful because I think we can sense that. Yeah. And I think the things that bring back old ideas, old characters, old places and reexamine them or update them. Uh, or say, hey, when last we spent time with these characters, they were in their 20s and 30s. Now they're in their 50s and 60s. By definition, it's different that those things are what are more or less successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I uh, Apologies to anybody who loved the X-Files reboot. I was really excited for that X-Files, X-Files return. And that was kind of on the leading edge of things are, everything's coming back. And I didn't think that it, did anything that different Mm -hmm. and it just kind of quietly went away and there weren't big uh flame wars on social media about x-files maybe there were in pockets of x-file reddit fandom but from the general perspective from myself who pays a lot of attention to to pop culture and social media it just quietly went away because it didn't do anything new Mm -hmm. it wasn't super loved it wasn't super hated it just went away in it and for me that's because it didn't it didn't revolutionize it it didn't change it yeah yeah i mean i i do think that's a really good point is uh, people will decide and if it doesn't speak to people they're not going to watch it and it's going to go away yeah cuz i think there's a little bit of that sort of reality if you just bring people back to what they remembered then that personal nostalgia we're talking about where you have like the rose-colored glasses for the good things and you kind of forget the bad things, if you just bring them back to the truth of this is what the show was, you're like, <laughs> oh, here are these things remembered and I loved. I forgot about all these things that annoy me. <laughs> if you don't change it at all, it'll be yeah. like actually teleporting 20 years back in your life and going like, well, crap, I forgot about the bad things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Like it's enough to maybe open the door but not enough to get you to walk inside and stay a while. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, all right. I threatened it. I want to talk just a little bit about, about Star Wars to I have, think we have to complete nostalgia experience. Yeah. So a lot of this comes up because Star Wars discussions, uh, there's the l- larger pop culture discussion and art discussion about nostalgia, which you and I have just been talking about now. But Star Wars gets sort of uh, brought into that and held up as one of the, the worst offenders of uh, nostalgia. And for me, Star Wars is different, partially just because I'm an all-in person. I have a Star Wars podcast. I pay a lot of attention. I have a lot of opinions. I understand they're more casual Star Wars fans, and I think that's great. But for me, it's very frustrating because Star Wars is about nostalgia. So it's not like saying, you know, a Will and Grace reboot. I don't think Will and Grace ever intended as a sitcom to be like, one of our core themes is is nostalgia one of our core themes is wrestling with the past but that's what star wars has been you know there's uh the actual original trilogy starts with the words a long time ago right (laughs) it's not subtle luke wants to be a jedi like his father before him is what he literally says uh the goal of the heroes of the entire original trilogy is to literally restore the republic that was destroyed by the empire so there's a ton even when it was fresh and new uh, and it looked like nothing else before, not only was it uh, tapping into these sort of deep myths of many cultures, uh, but explicitly what was going on with the characters was nostalgic-based. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the sequel trilogy is is the real uh, battleground. And anybody who sees any individual movie, all three movies, and goes, I don't like them, I don't think they were executed well, they weren't for me, I never have any problem with that. But the nostalgia battle gets uh, frustrating because the sequel trilogy, if the original trilogy was nostalgic, the sequel trilogy is dealing with nostalgia about this thing that was nostalgic, right? Uh, The story is explicitly dealing with nostalgia. Ray thinks Luke Skywalker is a myth and then meets him and has to deal with the real person. That's an examination of nostalgia in the narrative, right? Uh, Ray literally grows up in a battlefield. She lives inside the wreckage of the past. She lives in an at-at or AT-AT. It's literally, she literally lives in a battleground of the past. Uh, Kylo Ren felt abandoned by his heroic parents and then remade himself in the image of his villainous grandfather because he can't escape the past and wants to kill it, you know? Um, so I could go on and on uh, with my examples, but... It's frustrating for me because it's explicitly dealing with nostalgia. So it's weird for me when people lump Star Wars in with, you know, and just like that Sex in the City reboot, because, you know, <laughs> Star Wars doesn't have a thematic about shoes <laughs> the way Sex in the City does. And Sex in the City doesn't have a thematic that's about nostalgia. <sighs> anyway, so just wanted to share that. So, uh... How do you feel about the nostalgia in Star Wars? <laughs> do you feel like there's too much of a focus on the past and not enough moving toward the present? Ah, wow. Um, well, unlike you, I don't have a podcast about Star Wars <laughs> and don't think about it every day. Um, I I mean, I don't. I think you make a really good point about it being nostalgia being um, built into part of its DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it starts, like you said, it starts with, a long time ago. Uh, and it starts with episode four. You know? <laughs> yes. There's literally backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not the same as nostalgia, but it 
it imply it doesn't imply it flat out says this is not the beginning of the story right um and i so i feel like it is it is in there and it the way it has been told um everything is there so i'm sorry everything is tied together in so many different ways um between characters between the original trilogy the prequels the sequels i don't know if we're talking about the other uh, books which I've only read a few of and other TV shows <laughs> and all of it, all, all the other things that I am, am not at all part of. Um, the, the prequels are an ancient evil, the Sith returning. So there's definitely <laughs> a sense of the past having to be reckoned with again in the present. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm sorry. What was the question? I'm, now I'm thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. If you think that there is... Even even given that Star Wars is about nostalgia, just for you as a more casual viewer mm-hmm. who uh, hears a lot of opinions around the house, <laughs> but you have your own opinions, you mm-hmm. have things you like or don't like, when you're watching Star Wars and you're enjoying it, do you ever feel like there isn't enough new? I've seen that ship before. I've seen that planet. I've seen that character. Where's the new? Do you have that feeling? Um, I don't. I don't. If we're talking about the the movies, I feel like the movies are... Um, you know, set up as the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. And um, side note, as a fan of books that are like thousand year sagas, <laughs> I'm all in on that. Like, okay, how do these pieces come together? And you don't always know who's going to be, you know, like, you know, Skywalker is going to be part of it, obviously, because it's in the name, but uh, at least as we know it now, but how those threads come together throughout different times to me is a type of storytelling that I find very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I'm like, I'm all there for that. That style of storytelling of filmmaking, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in. So I absolutely don't feel like there's too much nostalgia because we do get new characters that we spend a lot of time with, um, or characters on different points in their journey that we spend time with throughout the, the films. Um, and when you get to, I'll only talk about the TV shows cause I have not read the vast majority of the books and yeah, other that's things, fine. but with the TV shows that I've seen, I have not seen all of them. I've really enjoyed the exploration of different times. And also I feel like, um, we know that this is kind of, we're in a new era of star Wars yeah, where there's more coming. And so I feel like I, this is going to sound so pompous and I don't feel it that way, but I don't mean it that way at all. Like, but I have patience to see what else comes before I get upset about what isn't already existing. I think that's a little bit of it for me too. There's lots of discussions, you know, about the television shows and understandably that, you know, uh, we, we see characters that we know uh, that, but, but they're, they're of a specific style. Uh, they're being made mostly creatively by many people, but uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And yeah, the, they, they, their version of Star Wars is a specific dish with a specific spice. Uh, and uh, understandable if people are hungry for a different spice, but those things are coming with uh, multiple announced shows with uh, different directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of new is coming, which also I feel like, yeah. It, it's good to have a little bit of patience. I think the the other thing for me is, um, yeah, every, every once in a while in the shows or the movies, there's definitely something where like a thing you know from the past pops up as an Easter egg. But for me, it's not the whole show. It's not the main thrust. It's a little thing that's there for people who want to see those things or be affected by them. And, you know, a ton of brand new people came in in Mandalorian season one and, you know, 
they didn't know or care about that stuff, they were drawn into a new inaccessible story. Mm-hmm. Uh, final thing for me on this is, um, yeah, I, I think that a part of the frustration comes from like understanding that people are concerned about too much nostalgia in pop culture, but then Star Wars is different for me because nostalgia is a part of what it is for me. It is like ordering a pizza and going, why is there cheese on this? Like it's, it's one of the main ingredients. Um, and then on top of this, I know a ton of people don't like the sequel trilogy or have one specific movie they love and others they despise. And, and I get that. And everybody has a right to their opinion. I, I just feel so strongly that the films actually work together really well, specifically to talk about nostalgia, specifically to talk about what you and I have been wrestling with about, we can't be dictated by the past, but we can't reject the past. That's kind of Ray and Kylo's twin journeys of Ray needing to know about her past, needing everybody from the past to, to help her move forward, and Kylo trying to reject everything from the past. And th- again, I could go on and on, but the fact that it ultimately ends, spoilers for Rise of Skywalker, with this really healthy perspective of Ray of like, I have grown from the past i have learned what i needed to from the past i've rejected the parts of the past that are not for me i respectfully bury these blades of the past and here's my brand new one that i forged out of my present my identity like it's just so about a healthy attitude toward nostalgia in my opinion so that is a, a little bit of a uh, just me advocating for something I like <laughs> at this point. Beautifully uh, said. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to uh, start wrapping up here with talking about new. Since there is a concern that we focus too much on the past in pop culture right now, what new things have you seen that you have enjoyed that you are excited about? Mm, wow. Um, goodness. Okay. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing uh no uh if if you want me to share some thoughts first i can go for so you it. don't feel on the spot go for it uh we watched a show called hacks which i really really liked uh strangely that was one of the first things that came to mind because i really liked it and then i realized uh, that one's kind of generational too because it's about an older comedian and a younger comedian mm-hmm. <laughs> learning to see eye to eye so i guess i like generational stories uh the movie's a couple years old but i really love book smart uh i just think that's a just a great really funny comedy and uh, then i'm enjoying succession like a lot of other people mm-hmm. and i think that's a real evolution because it's a very dark comedy drama but it's it's it challenges some people because they're like, well, who who's who am I supposed to root for? These are all bad people, and I feel like <laughs> that's the point. It's an examination of cycles of badness. Look, generational again. Um, and then the last one for me that I'll shout out is not new, but it's new to me. I have so been enjoying the uh, Mrs. Polifax novels that you introduced me to. So uh, maybe they're nostalgic uh, for your life because you mm-hmm. read them before, but they're brand new to me, and I'm loving them. That's fantastic. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So those are a couple of new things that are speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all of the ones that you've said, I um, I love. The Mrs. Polifax are nostalgic for me, but still love them. Still totally love them. Um, another um, documentary, because I like to talk about documentaries yeah. that we are in the midst of watching right now uh, that I am so enjoying is, um, it's on National Geographic, the Welcome to Earth Right, yeah. that's the right name. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, with yes. Will Smith, and uh, just a, a 
different approach to a nature documentary and I'm just finding it fascinating and so great and um, loving it. Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying that. It is making the absolute most of Will Smith's charm. Disney Plus seems like they're going to do this of like, if you have ever wanted to do anything weird and you are already famous as an actor, we'll do a show. Jeremy Renner's doing some, he's making houses for people or cars. I can't remember. Uh, But anyway, uh, but yeah, the Will Smith thing is is really, really great because it's taking this different approach of it's uh, almost as David Attenborough-like nature view and information, but presented from this unique perspective of Will Smith, who's not only charming, but like I have all he kind of constantly presents himself of like, yeah, no, I've done this on a movie set. I have not done this for real. Right. And that's a really interesting perspective that opens it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll just stick with the documentaries uh, because uh, we actually did an entire podcast about Long Way Down. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm going to keep that one there. We've not yet watched Long Way Around, but we did watch Long Way Up, uh, <laughs> which goes from uh, the southern tip of South America um, up to Los Angeles and um, loved loved that one as well and loved the uh, the inclusion of how does it work when you try to do things with electric vehicles yeah talk about new mm-hmm. yeah that was great my final question is if you could visit any part of your life that you're nostalgic for uh, what would you visit Mm, I'd go for a misty walk on the morning uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, nice. Um, could I come with you? Happily. Could I visit your misty memories? Go for it. Okay. That, is that or weird? Rather, welcome. Yeah. That I want to skip my own nostalgia and experience yours instead? <laughs> It'll be fun. Okay. Excellent. What is a noise that you can make to sum up your interest in nostalgia? Hmm. Whew. <laughs> was that uh, time flying at different speeds? It was a sigh thinking about nostalgia and then the wisp as it actually fades away. Ah, that's powerful. You made you made a miss noise very successfully. <laughs> so on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, where how obsessed with uh, nostalgia are you? Yeah, so this is interesting. I thought I was going to say higher um, going into this podcast. I would have raked myself higher, but I think I'm going to put myself at like a 5. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to go a little bit higher than that, maybe yeah. at least a five and a half. But I feel like, I mean, it, that, yeah, I feel like a five is honest. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go to a nine and nine and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty obsessed with it. I, I think it is a fascinating idea. I think it's a necessary idea. I think it's an idea that we should be really, really aware of and aware that it has many facets. Um, but for me, that I don't. There are parts of it that can be painful, dangerous, repetitive, regressive, all those things. But there are parts of it that are just natural and human and joyful, and they're. And, and I don't want to cut off those things. Uh, you know, I want to pluck the good things from the nostalgia too. Absolutely, and my five does not mean I'm not going to continue to participate in nostalgia. Well, I look forward to being nostalgic about this podcast a little bit later. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, here are some quick plugs. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out that Star Wars podcast I co-host where you can hear us say a lot more things about nostalgia and Star Wars. That is called Force Center. Info on uh, upcoming shows, comedy albums, stuff like that. You can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. 
You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Here are our final weird questions that may or may not be nostalgic, depending on how you answer. Uh, <laughs> if you could be a plant, what kind of plant would you be? Ooh, can I do a nostalgic one? Sure. I would be a bleeding heart. <laughs> that sounds very nostalgic. <laughs> Remember when bleeding hearts were everywhere? What What is a bleeding heart? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like a little, um, it grows kind of like a shrub. And it, it blooms early in the spring, and it's got flowers that look like little hearts with um, a little like oh, thing coming up. Yeah. Um, we had them in our yard. and the, But the reason I say it's a nostalgic answer is I love bleeding hearts. But one of the reasons that I think I love them is because when I was a kid, um, they, we had bleeding hearts uh, on, outside my window, Oh, um, and that was, I think, just like that little corner of the yard was the only place. And so I could look down and uh, look out and see. And I just it's a it's a total nostalgic love that I have for bleeding hearts. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's great. Um, if you could jump very high or fly, which would you choose? Wow. Fly. Yeah. You want wings just like the frogs. I do. <laughs> I didn't mean to I was bookend. projecting there with the frogs. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I did not mean, I, I had written out this final question before. I didn't really realize I was kind of rephrasing <laughs> the frog question because frogs can jump high and now that they have wings in our imagination, they can fly. So Well, well done. I want to be a frog. Nostalgic for being a frog. I was never a frog. <laughs> final question, uh, as always, is what is happiness? Happiness is finding... Um, the version of nostalgia that brings you joy and doesn't bring you down a, a rabbit hole of um, doom and gloom. Yeah. How is that an answer for happiness? That's <laughs> got to be the worst answer I've ever given. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking, as you, I was trying to think of how to phrase it nicely. I'm like, yeah, nostalgia is like a, a warm blanket you can wrap yourself in that only stabs you a little. Isn't that nice? Isn't that happiness? <sighs> okay, I'm going to change my answer. Nostalgia? No, nostalgia. Goodness. <laughs> happiness is being a frog flying through the mist there you go well said thank you everyone uh for listening thanks for uh, uh going along with some of our thoughts enduring some of our stronger opinions <laughs> as always when i have really strong opinions i want to acknowledge uh they're my opinions and perspective and i i do understand uh that uh that some people might disagree and uh, respect that. But for now, uh, that's been our look back at nostalgia. Thanks for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Another time that I've really enjoyed nostalgia, and I think you, you, we were physically there together, but I'm trying to remember if you had the same experience as I did. Uh, a couple of years ago, we visited uh, Minneapolis, and we got uh, got in late, and we were trying to go to a bar, and the bar was still physically open, but it was closed, and it wasn't serving anymore. But we walked in, and uh, it's a busy downtown bar that had a lot of spillage, and the bar just had this overwhelming waft of the smell of Minnesota beer, and I had this <laughs> massive nostalgia for... Uh, about a thousand points in my life uh, where I had smelled Minnesota beer. Did you have, were you hit by a waft of nostalgia as well as beer smell? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was a waft of, um, uh, yeah, a waft of nostalgia. Yeah. Of being, of happiness to be there with that smell.
Happiness to be with that smell. What is nostalgia if not happiness <laughs> to be there with that smell? <laughs>